you should rejoice because I have provided for you today stones to throw at me. There is a big bucket in the back foyer. You can pick big ones, a little more like medium size and small ones. I'd recommend the big ones because I'll duck. But um, just want to encourage you that I've provided for you haters out there. You have a chance. now. No, I'm just messing. You guys, I'm just having some fun. But here, today, today we do have uh, the passage coming up in Joshua 4. And we're going to have, what we're going to encourage you guys is a Karen, which is kind of, putting your stones together but there's a handful in there in a bucket in the back so we'll we'll kind of guide you later about that but I was um, I'm excited before I even get started here in the sermon I'm really 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 excited about what God's doing here in light of this merge I'm excited about Pastor Armin coming next week he's an incredible guy I've only gotten to know him and I've only spoken to him probably a handful of times and I can sense in his spirit what a wonderful man a shepherd one who is passionate about the kingdom of God, who shared with you in December 2nd, would love to get to know you better. This all comes together. You not only get a lead pastor shepherd, you will get a campus pastor. So you'll get two for the price of one. So you'll, you'll be able to have this opportunity to move forward into the community, to be able to be equipped, prepared for what God has for you in your workplaces, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, and immediately in this community. And that's what you've been passionate about for a long time. Amen? You guys have been passionate about reaching this community. Well, God has given you an opportunity. So I appreciate what Charles did and and Charlie coming up in here and sharing that passion and just sharing about a booklet. How much more if that booklet could come forth in such a way that it would come in a real time, in a real way, by impacting the lives, real people for the kingdom of God. That's why we exist as the church. This is God's, this is his word. We should be passionate about, and we are to be the church. It's not the building. I've been telling you that for about 20 months now, and I will continue to tell you that, and I'll tell that to the next ministry I'm involved in, that we are to be the church. It's not about a building. It's about getting out to the community and reaching those who are coming to faith. I had a friend of mine, a buddy of mine, a very close friend of mine, who who shared with me this morning and said, Bruno, please pray for me because my cousin just passed away at 47 years old, which he had told me about the story. And I've been in relationship with my buddy for about eight years now from my previous ministry. God has used him and his wife to lead not only his aunt who passed away at, I think, 60 years old from cancer, but now he had an opportunity to lead him to Christ before he passed. And what he's doing is my buddy is being the church to his family. They're calling on him to minister to the family because he's been Christ to them. That's what it's about, the relationships. It's not about, he doesn't talk about the church I was previously at. We don't even talk about the programs. We don't talk about where the church is going. We talk about real time, about the commitment of Christ. So keep that in mind um, as, you're, as you're serving the Lord, as you look into God, to saying, God, what do you have for me? Ask that question, because the Lord wants to do an amazing work in and through you, and as a corporate people too as well. So let's encourage ourselves, but let me just, um, let me just uh, share. Everybody, I, I, I gather that most people in their homes have a mantle. You have a fireplace, maybe you have one that's um, what we would know as being a real fireplace where you put wood in it. And then there's some today that you just switch, maybe a remote or just click on a switch and poof, the fire comes about. And it's, it's, uh, it's more of the newer 
um, approach of homes, and I'm not used to that because, believe it or not, I even had, we had a fireplace in our home growing up that didn't really work. They had a crack in it, so we never used it, uh, maybe a handful of times when I was a kid. But usually where there's a fireplace, there's a mantle. And usually what you do is you put on that mantle uh, pictures, family pictures, sometimes pictures of, of days of old, um, pictures where recent pictures, days of old. I know in my wife's home that where she grew up, my in-law's house, there's a picture of them when they were young. Even Joy was 10 years old at that time. And you look up and you see the picture and you imagine what that day was like. And you imagine 30 years ago or so, or more than 30 years ago, and looking at that picture and how young mom and dad looked, how young my wife looked, how young my in-laws looked, uh, all my brother, my brother and sister-in-laws. And as you look at it, it's a memory. It's a thought of saying, wow, I remember those days, early 80s. And we look back at those pictures um, and it's a, it's a great place. In my home, I have a, a nice chair where I could recline back on. I watch my TV straight ahead, but up just about 2 o'clock, there's my mantle there, and I get to see some of the pictures of my daughters, and it's awesome. And, um, you know, I, I, you know and when you have a chair and when you sit in it for long enough, you're not supposed to sit in it past one or two hours. You're supposed to sit in there for maybe about half an hour and get up, but I don't often do. I just kind of sink in there. It's nice. I grab some food and I relax, but... You know, I know that, you know, and I know that what happens is we get older and as we look at the pictures and how young we once looked and then we get older, if we sit in that chair too long, things grow, as I mentioned last week. So what happens is uh, sometimes I think I need to do something to motivate me to, to try to lose some weight. And so one of the things I'm thinking about doing is we have a picture right there in our foyer just as you walk outside of our wedding picture, my wife and I. And I'm thin and, um, you know, I'm looking a lot younger and uh, my weight is under 200 pounds and uh, I was fit and I'm thinking about moving that picture. I haven't talked to the boss yet, but I'm thinking about moving that picture and putting it on the mantle because maybe it'll motivate me to work out again or do something. But the mantle is there for something. It's to motivate us, to encourage us, to remember of things. And there's another thing that's on our mantle. It's this picture right here. Apropos to what I'm about to preach on, but it's stones with the sign of a fish, a Christian symbol, Joshua 4, 6. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? And it reminds me of God's faithfulness. And it reminds me of what God wants to do in my life and the life of others. And it reminds me how important it is for us to gather and understand because as we were talking about the Jordan River in last week and we were talking about in recent weeks and the time of this sermon series called Forward, the Israelites are now about to enter into the Jordan. The waters are overflowing. The floods are up. It's not a very wide a river. Most archaeologists and historians would say that it's probably averaged around 100 feet across, three to 10 feet deep. But what we know is that in the Bible, it says in chapter three, at the end of chapter three, that the city of Adam is about 15 miles from where the Israelites were crossing. And estimate numbers are 400,000 or more to cross this area. It's not the Red Sea, but it's an area where they had to cross. 
It was an area where they had to get over to the side of Jericho because God had promised them a land that's called the promised land. A people were identified with him so they could be a light to the Gentiles around them. It wasn't for the sake of having a piece of land so they can get comfortable, have their lazy chairs, have a mantle there and remember the good old days. It was for them to be in a land where they can identify with those who were non-Jews or Gentiles and be a light to them. To show them the God of Israel and the love of God that's been displayed to them. So here's this river and God is about to allow them to go ahead. But God, as they were going across... We have to understand something, too, that in chapter 4, which I would encourage you to open up your Bibles and look to chapter 4, verse 1. I want to read part of this, this passage, this narrative, this pericope, because it's important to understand the background to what we're looking into. So the Israelites are on the east side of the river. And as they're on the east side of the river, God is, is about to prepare them to cross this land. So it says, when all the nation have finished passing over the Jordan, which at that point, that, that was explaining the whole the whole episode in the narrative, but he goes to explain it some more in detail. He says, verse two, take 12 men from the people from each tribe, a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from, every, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. And it says, it goes on to say, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So simple, as God already parted the Jordan in chapter 3, now they're going across the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. They're behind it. The priests are carrying it. And now they stop just in the middle. And God is saying, each one of you from a tribe, grab a stone from the Jordan here as it's dry and carry it over to the other side. We would know that as what it's called as a cairn. You're kind of placing your stones in a pile as a memorial to remember this specific day of God's wondrous works, his amazing work of parting a Jordan. Most would say, wow, just 100 feet, 3 to 10 foot. I could swim over. Not if the waters are rushing. You're not going to get across. And mind you, 400,000 people plus, could you imagine Yankee Stadium 10 times if it was full and up? It was sold out 10 times. That's just low numbers. Most would probably say close to 800,000 to a million people were going across. So you're not going to get that. And it had to go 15 miles because people had to go across. But God wanted this to be a specific time, a time to remember what God did. Not what man did, but what God did. So he did this and he grabbed these stones. And in verse 4 it says, Then Joshua called the twelve from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, and a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take each of you a stone upon his shoulder. Obviously much bigger than these stones. According to the numbers of the tribes of the people of Israel. Verse 6 now, this is important. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Now here's, here's important. I, I, I thought of this this week and was studying and I was saying, God, what is it that you want us to learn from this passage, from this story? I believe God gave us four things that we have to think about through this passage. Because this, this six and seven is so key. 
So important. Because he's, there's a teachable moment here and God wants to remind his people. And so when we're encountering impossible situations, difficult trials, or face temptations in our lives, what should we remember as we move forward to not give up? That was a question I asked. As a 21st century believers in Christ, what are some of the important truths we could gain from this story? One is this. God sets markers of his faithfulness so we can teach others. God sets markers of his faithfulness so we can teach others. If we could look at Exodus chapter 12, 26, and I believe there's 27 as well. And if it's not there, I apologize. That was my fault. It says this, and when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt. And when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses and the people bowed their heads in worship. See, at the time of the Passover, they commemorated it every, every year in the lives of Israelites. They commemorated the Passover even through Jesus. Even today we think of that through Christ. And how important it was that God saved his people from being killed. He passed over them when they obeyed him. See, he gave them a command, they obeyed him, and he saved them. Today it's no different in Jesus Christ. God commands us, we obey, and he saves us. We spend more time as a people. Myself, I look at my life and I say, the, the times where I struggle, the times where I know I'm not moving forward, the times when I'm, when I'm just not getting ahead and not going behind God is when I often disobey. When I'm just disobedient to the simple commands, when the Holy Spirit tells me to do something, I say, no, not today. I'm not feeling it. And see, the markers are set. God wants to teach us that where there is obedience and response, God wants to set a marker for us. And here, he sets a marker. The marker in our lives is salvation in Christ, justification. And there are little markers in our lives in our sanctification. God wants to remind us of his faithfulness because when he does, then we can teach it to our, our, our family members. We can teach it to our children and our grandchildren. But that's what those stones are for as a memory, not to look back at the event, but an event that can carry us into the present and in the future. That's what God set those stones there. That's why he told the people to grab them from the Jordan and lay them on the other side where they're going to lodge, which was two miles prior, two miles before Jericho, because they're about to head on to Jericho in chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6.20, let me just share this with you too, because this is an important chapter. When your son asks you in time to come, verses 20 and 21, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord of God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. He delivered us. That's the marker. So maybe in our lives we have little markers when we're facing trials and difficulties and struggles, when we're facing the Jordan River and we don't know if it's going to part or not, God's saying, remember the marker that I set in your life? How I faithfully carried you through that struggle? Well, I'm not going to work any differently here. I'm going to work with you through this as well. So that's something that God wants to teach us about setting markers too. As I just mentioned, obedience. Obedience is key. 
because it's so important to moving forward. So as we think about moving forward, and as we mentioned, we think about obedience. It's, it's vital. You recall being a, a child and your parents would ask you to do something and what was your response? I know what my response is and I can't repeat it. But let's just say this, that God is faithful, that he allowed me the opportunity to stand before you because what I did as a child, I don't want my children to even touch anywhere close to it. I can tell you that with great confidence. But God has been merciful. But what's the response that we usually get from our children? Now that I'm a parent, sometimes I get that as well. What could it be? Ah, oh, Dad, do I really have to do it? It's Lisa's turn this time. I did it yesterday. Or maybe we say, sure, I'll do it later. I'm busy right now. Can you imagine that response? You ask your child to do something busy right now, not now. Or you hear the, sure, I'll do it. And then when you go look back to see if it was done, it was never done. It's called the, I'll just kind of appease my mom or dad for now, but I'm really not going to do it. I'll just make them think I'm going to do it. I get sometimes my children, more often than not, they give me the no and then they do it. I have a particular child that just says no, no. And then he, does, he goes to do it. And that's, I just said he, so it's the only son. And so my son does that. He teases my wife and I. We look at each other and go, is he going to do it or not? And then he does it. So we tease him a lot and saying, just that rebellion in you, just that rebellion. But we have fun. But how often do we do that with God? God says, I need you to do this now. Uh, maybe later, Lord. I'm not feeling it right now. Well, I need you to obey me right now. No, I need you to forgive this person right now. Not feeling it, Lord. I need you to stop committing that sin that you keep sinning. Lord, it's hard. Don't you understand? It's really hard. I need you to pray for this person. I need you to be praying more. I need you to be sitting there in strength, in battle. I need you to know that the enemy's coming after you. I want you to read my word. Spend time with me. We say, Lord, I'm really busy. Don't you understand? I'm serving you. I've got a lot of things on my schedule. I'll get to it. Can you imagine? But God, when he calls us to obedience, he's not asking for perfection. He's asking for a steadfast heart. I want to read a scripture to you in Isaiah 26, 3 through 5. Isaiah says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God, Yahweh, Elohim, is an everlasting rock. For he has, hum he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He, he lays it low, lays it low to the ground and casts it to the dust. See, what God does is that he brings forth those who obey him, who stay steadfast in him. But he lowers those who are proud and arrogant, who think they have something to prove. See, God's trying to call us to obedience. This story, these rocks remind us of the obedience of the Israelites. Their willingness to trust, their willingness to believe, their willingness to rest. Look at verses 8. It says, and the people of Israel, chapter 4 of Joshua, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up the 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan. Why would Joshua write that? Because obedience is important. It's necessary to move forward. We spend more time coming up with excuses, coming up with ways to maneuver around God, and God saying, all I need you to do is just obey. Is that what we expect from our children? 
what is God expecting from us? Because I can't expect it from my children if I'm not willing to obey God. That's been a challenge for me. And he goes on to say this in verse 8. Get it out of the midst of the Jordan according to the numbers of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they did it. So that's important for us to keep in mind to move forward. We need to obey. Third, what we need to do is we need to understand this in light of this Jordan River, that these rocks remind us that we need, that God wants to lead us through a trial, not around it. It's 200 miles up to get around the Jordan through the mountains and then probably 200 miles down. Can you imagine if the Israelites had to go all the way around? It'd be another 40 years by the time they get to Jericho. They'd all be dead. There would be no Jericho and the capturing of Jericho and the city going down. And see, God wants his people involved in every step that he prepares. He has a plan. But every time we face a trial or difficulty, we all, we all, listen, we all can raise our hand. We all want to go around it. We don't want to face it. Because there's pain, there's struggle, there's humility, there's admitting I was wrong, I have to forgive someone, or I have to be forgiven. And there's this constant move where I have to be exposed, that God has to reveal my sin, and now I have to confess my sin and deal with all of that. I'd rather go around it. But these markers remind us that we need to go through it. When they went through the Jordan, which was an impossible act for man to part that little that river, that so-called river, God did it and said, I will get you through it. I want you to go through it. It's necessary that you go through the trial. So whatever you're going through, whatever challenge that you're encompassing right now and encountering, God's saying, I want you to go through it. I want to teach you. Because see, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. I have learned in a period of my life for four years that I tried to run around God in all different ways, coming up with different schemes, different plans, different strategies. I thought, you know, if I just do this, maybe God will come in and he'll take it and say, that's a good idea, Bruno. I think I'll take your idea. You know, I always thought that if I could just present it to him, I'd write him down and say, Lord, I think this is a good idea. God would say, just obey me. I'll get you through it. But Lord, why do I have to go through here? I could just do this over here and I think it'd be good for you and for me. God's saying, just go through it. But Lord, don't you see what I have to go through? That seems impossible. Nothing is impossible for me. But Lord, I I, I, got to come up with another plan. Can I just get another day and come up with another plan? He's like, you can come up with another plan, but I'm gonna give you the same answer. Just obey me. I can do the impossible. It's a trust, it's a rely, it's a depending on, it's saying, God, I got to believe you through the trial. That's what these markers stand for. Fourth, important. God doesn't start something he will not finish. Look with me to Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 18. Important to read. There This is a reminder of the people. There were probably people from that time that were recalling of the Red Sea. It was a bigger body of water. It wasn't a river. It was a sea. More than impossible. Beyond impossible. No way. The Egyptians were coming after them. With the Jordan, they didn't have anyone behind them. But the Egyptians with 
they're fierce competitors and military people coming to destroy the Israelites. The Pharaoh coming with great ravage and anger. And Moses stands there with over 2 million people. In verse 13, it says this, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which will, he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. What? I mean, the unimaginable thing. that He said, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. I've got hundreds and hundreds and thousands of guys coming after me with swords and spears and everything ready to kill me, and God's telling me to be silent. I don't know about that. But Moses speaks what was commanded to him. He commands to the people, saying, you need to trust the Lord, even with the Red Sea in front of you impossible. How are we going to get through this? God's saying, I can do the impossible. And he wouldn't start something he wouldn't finish. So if you and I are going through something, God will finish what he started in you. Whether it's something personal, something so embedded in you, something that you know you have to deal with that's going to be painful, something that's so foundational that you and only you know between you and God what has to be done. God wants to start something because he wants to carry it out through you. God wants to do that in your life. God wants to do that in your family. God wants to do this in this church. You have an opportunity. God wants, if God starts something, he's going to finish it. But you've got to believe him for it. Because why? It's about the journey. It's not about the destination. There's more to come. Grace becomes this church. It's going to be a lot of work. Right, guys? It's going to be a lot of work. But it's going to be a work God's going to get you through it. And see, God wants to carry his people because he can do it and he gets the glory. Just like in this situation, all he told Moses was, raise up your staff, stretch it out to the sea and I'll divide it. Just obey me and I'll do the work through you. That's all it takes. God wants to do that work. He wants to get you through the trial. Joshua 4, 21 through 24 says this. And he said to the people of Israel, after it was all finished, he says, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones represent? What do they mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. Verse 23, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. What this was, the Red Sea prior to the Jordan being parted was a marker by God to say you can get through this now. God will not get you through something if he can't get you through something else. God always prepares you with markers. He wants to get you through every trial. Why? So he gets the glory. And he said the Red Sea in which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, Yahweh, is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. See, the reason why he had to get them over to the Jordan was to set up an identity of a people, a covenant people, but not for themselves, not for the glory of themselves. I mean, we know that, we know that in all of history in the markers through Genesis through Exodus, through Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, and all throughout history. Even knowing when they got comfortable at the time of Haggai, when he had to tell him, you're getting too comfortable with your panel houses. 
where is my presence? God's saying, I'm not going to start something without finishing it through you. I have a plan. I've set these markers. I've got, a, I've got so many metaphorical Karens in my life. So many rocks set up all over of what God has done. I mean, I could share one with you in 2008. My wife and I were in seminary, and then for three years, God had me to start a business. And then 2008 came, and it was really tough financially. As you know, the, the financial markets went down. The economy went down almost close to many years ago. And I was sitting there with very little work. My wife was sitting there with very little work. We were involved in a church. I was teaching a 55 and and older class, a Sunday school class, about 60 people. It was a really cool class. We got to know them, built relationships with them. They became, uh, some, some came like mothers and fathers to us. Really great grandparents to the kids. And we just said, pray for us because God is opening a door for us back into Pennsylvania, but we don't have the money to transfer. And we needed a lot of money, close to four or $5,000. We didn't know where it was coming from. But we were believing God for it. And we knew God would come through because what he starts, he's going to finish. He got us through seminary. He's going to get us to the next destination. He's going to get us over this Jordan River. Well, you know, when you get moms and dads together and grandparents, they just, they take it amongst themselves and they created money trees. <laughs> they got these money trees and they told the whole church and they told the pastor and the church knew me. We had like seven, 800 people in the church. They knew us and they said, we're going to give you a special party and we're going to make sure you're taken care of. We walked out of there with more money than we ever could imagine. God gave us not only what we needed, he gave us extra. I I wasn't on staff. I was just a person attending the church, even became a member. We were only there for two years. God said, what I start, I'm going to finish. That is what carries me every day. Because I know he's going to, because he's faithful. These markers are faithfulness. This isn't your church. This is his church. He will stand for his name and we have to do only one thing. Remember. Remember it's his. Remember him. He's going to do the work. He's going to part the Jordan. We're not. We can't do it. God gave us a great passage in 2 Timothy. I want to read it to you. 2 Timothy chapter 2. the end of the life of Paul, the great apostle. And he gave him a promise and he wanted to carry this over and pass this on to Timothy. And this is what he says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 8. He says, remember Jesus Christ. That word remember in the Old Testament is similar in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, when use of this word, it was to remember the covenant. Remember Jesus Christ. So what Paul was doing was connecting the remember with the Old Testament and the New Testament. The passage or the covenant of God is unconditional and carries on through Abraham and to Jesus. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may also obtain the salvation 
that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. This is a theological statement. Five statements of this is a saying trustworthy for. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful. God is faithful to his covenant, to his son, to his word, to his gospel, to his people. But he's mostly faithful to himself. And this is his church. Doesn't matter what name you put on it. Let me be honest. You could put any name on it. It's still his church. Because the gospel is his. He's given us the benefit and the privilege to be one of his people to share that wonderful story and that wonderful setting free. These Karens, these rocks are just a memory. But that memory shouldn't be left there as a past event. It should be used to carry us to the present and the future. I've got many Karens, but each of my Karens have one truth in each one of them. Remember Jesus Christ. That's the marker. I want to encourage you, trust the Lord. Let's get away from the idea that any of this is ours because it's not. Nobody owns anything here. As even Rick prayed, God owns it all. And I want to encourage you as you're moving forward. Maybe you want to take a few of these stones today. I want to give you encouragement. It's very chalky. Watch out now. If you get a pen or a Sharpie, I was supposed to have some Sharpies out there. I don't know where they're at. You could put Joshua 4, 6, or you could put a word one word that you love about God. And I would encourage you to put it on your mantle so you can look at it daily to remind you of God's faithfulness. His faithfulness to his people, his faithfulness to his word. And if you and I are identified in him, he's gonna be faithful to us. So I wanna encourage you to take that opportunity today and move forward, believing God for his victory, for what he has in store for us. Let's pray. Father, you are an amazing God. So many Karens are set up in our lives. And each one was established by you. You did the work through us. What's awesome is you told Mo Moses to tell the people to be silent. And you tell us the same thing. What do these stones represent, Lord? the ones that you had lodged on the side of the Jordan River and even in the middle of the Jordan, what do they represent? They represent your faithfulness to us. They give us the opportunity to move forward. They're not just reminders of a past event. They're reminders for us to move forward in every situation. You did it at the Red Sea and you did it at the Jordan. You've done it in our lives and you keep doing it in our lives. God, I pray that we would take a stone today, put it on our mantle to remind us that you're going to be faithful to move us forward. Wherever we are in our lives, whether individually, through this church, at work, whatever it, it represents, God, encourage us today. Encourage us to place these stones on our mantle and the mantle of our hearts. And God, I pray that you would carry us forward for your glory and your honor and your praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.